Welcome to Career Tools. Today's topic, dealing with bad interviewers, stony-faced interviewers. Here we go. Mark, how do I handle an interviewer where I'm getting absolutely no f- feedback? They're completely stone-faced, and, and for whatever reason, they, they don't realize that part of a normal conversation involves giving some signals about the conversation, and I'm getting nothing, nothing. Yeah, we've given guidance recently about interviewers who do too much, who try to take over. You know, They're too aggressive with their comments and so on, but what about those who do nothing, who give you no feedback? And it's really simple. Number one, you answer the questions. Number two, you don't let your energy fall. You don't try to adjust to the, the interviewer. You don't, you don't, you don't. I don't care what anybody says, you're wrong. <laughs> and then don't be tempted to fill the silence. When we tell people don't let your energy fall, the weakness of that guidance is to then say, okay, I need to show a lot of energy, so I need to keep talking <laughs> when, when they're being stony-faced. And, and it's not really a particular behavioral guidance. We try to be actionable here at Career Tools. But I will say this. The big mistake that a lot of candidates make about interviewing is believing they can guess the rationale, the underlying attitude, the underlying thought process or emotional state of a recruiter, and then based on that, change their behavior in order to address that. And guys, that's just wrong. You're going to be wrong so often. First of all, you're wrong because you're in a heightened state of anxiety and you're not going to be making good decisions about somebody you probably haven't met before. Uh, secondly, one of the things we know at Manager Tools and Career Tools is don't try to guess at people's intent or people's emotions or people's attitudes. You're only going to be right with those people who are like you enough that they would have the same emotional state to drive the same behavior. And that's only true for 20, 25, 30% of the people in the world. So don't guess. Don't say, oh, he's stony-faced, he's trying to do X, so therefore I'm going to do Y. That level of strategy is too much. I will not do that in an interview. And I'm pretty good at interviewing, and I wouldn't do it. I'd do what we recommend here. Okay, so the first point is answer the question. Yeah, I mean, people want to know about all these things that interviewers do. And I, look, we're happy to share them, that we got years to go in terms of career tools, and it's great, okay? But the first thing you need to do is get your answer right. If your answer is good, even if you mess up a little bit on some stuff, you're probably okay. Spending a lot of time worrying about what an interviewer might do will take away from the time you'll spend on your answer. Right. It seems like folks are are sometimes allow themselves to let the interviewer get them off their game and they and they forget what their primary purpose of being there is, which is answer the questions. Yeah, what is Sun Tzu said? If the enemy causes you to conform your plans to his, he has already beaten you. And, and you cannot predict all the variability that could happen with an interviewer, okay? Um, in this case, what we're talking about is somebody who doesn't show any reaction. They don't smile. They don't nod. They don't show any empathy. They just go right through their questions, which, by the way, frankly, I'm pretty close to when I interview. I can be pleasant. I might smile a little bit, but pretty much I'm listening really carefully for behaviors. Now, look, we will admit it's possible, it's maybe even probable or likely that these people are high C's in terms of their DISC terminology. They're looking for factual answers. They're checking off a list of tasks in front of them. This this is not a guarantee, but it, but it, it tends to be true. And 
as Wendy would say, since their instructions don't say to smile, they don't smile. The mistake that I think a lot of candidates make is they get an interview like this. They need to be supported in the interview. And so they get disconcerted, which affects their ability to deliver in the interview. And folks, you simply can't develop your preparation for an interview based on the interviewer's mode, his style, his his personality. You can't do it. You have to go in and talk about you and talk about you in an assertive, pleasant, outgoing way. Okay. And that has nothing to do with the kind of interviewer you get. Look, if you're a naturally energetic person and this interviewer isn't, so your styles are different. If you have good answers, that's the thing that will matter. You'll do okay. Yeah. If you try to change your behavior and you end up messing that up and the energy you spend trying to change your behavior causes you to not be as good in your answers, then you're really hurting yourself. Right. Yeah. And a lot of times it's like you said, they have different disc profiles, they have different behavioral patterns and you can't get in their head and try to figure out what they're thinking. Yeah. And, and even if you could get inside their head, spending mental energy in the interview, trying to get inside their head, takes you away from delivering great answers. The purpose of the interview is not about the recruiter or the interviewer. It's about you. Yeah. And occasionally though, there are folks who are thinking like they can't be nice in the interview, right? So there are those as well. It's not necessarily a, a profile difference. Yeah. And, and and when that happens, there's no way you're going to get that person to like you. And so you spending time trying to do something to make them like you is just waste. And again, it's mental energy uh, taken away from your delivery. Okay. Look, there's a lot going on in an interviewer's life that's outside of the interview. Most managers that I know are a lot less prepared than they ought to be for an interview. The interview is one of six or seven or 10 things in their in their schedule for that day. And you may or may not know exactly what their purpose is in the interview. Just don't get tangled up in all that. Just answer the question they ask. You really can't do anything about what the interviewer does. You can't make them smile. You can't make them react. It'd be great to have a reaction, but a lack of reaction does not prove that your answer was wrong. And if, in fact, you're well-practiced, if you believe your answers are good, Going in expecting to get great responses in the not and having that mess up your mind is just you not really believing that your answers are all that good. The standard should not be the response of the recruiter. It should be your level of preparation and the naturalness and the energy and enthusiasm and professionalism with which you deliver it, whether they respond or not. Okay, let me ask you a question about energy. We've, we've talked many times, and particularly in our, in our interviewing series program, about high energy levels, right? Yeah. Being energetic through the entire, all the way through the close, right? But if you're dealing with a stony-faced interviewer, it's really hard to keep your energy level up. And matter of fact- No, it's not. Well, okay. <laughs> not for you. Well, let me, no, let me, it, it's not hard to do it. But I think part of it is it feels a little bit like you're being over the top. It feels like, yeah. like you're almost inappropriate to be high energy when the person you're interviewing with is exactly the opposite, like no energy. Yeah, and and I, I think that's fair relative to conversational patterns outside interviews. But if that's the case, when we're in a conversation outside of an interview, we're probably two peers talking to one another and we can interrupt one another and I get to ask you questions and you get to ask me questions and so on. But an interview is not a conversation. Even if an interviewer is told, try to make it conversational, it's not a conversation. There are people who say, I found it hard that the 
flat energy of the recruiter, I found it hard to maintain my energy level. What's funny about that is I don't think most people need to blame it on a stony-faced interviewer. It's been my experience. If I had to graph the energy level of the average candidate at an interview, let's, let's assume the interview starts at zero on the x-axis and goes to 10. The points I would have on the Y scale for level of energy would be at the start of the interview, nine. At point one, 10. At point two, seven. At point three, five. At point four, four. At point six, three. Point seven, two. Point eight, one. Point nine is one on the Y axis. And at point 10, it's nine again. It's got a little spike at the beginning. It's a steady fall throughout the interview as we become more relaxed and then we spike at the end. And the story I like to tell people is candidates believe that first minute and last minute, man, I was kicking butt. So I should be okay. Well, that's not what the, what the recruiter remembers. The recruiter remembers the slow and steady slide downhill. But dudes, you can't blame the recruiter for your energy level. Okay, Let, let's be clear. And, and I, I respect those of you who say, but it's so much like a conversation and I have conversations all the time. Yes, it is. And it's not a conversation. It's not. It's an interview and there are rules. And one of the rules is you have to maintain your energy regardless of the level of energy of the recruiter. Otherwise, if the energy of the recruiter were valuable, were important, we would only have marketing or salespeople doing interviews. And clearly, that's not the case. Okay. What I like to suggest is because it's true that all energy is decaying, it's the nature of entropy, right? What I recommend is a sawtooth graph, graph where at point zero, it's nine, you go up to 10, you may slide down to eight, and then you come back up to nine, and then you go down to eight, and then you go up to 10, and then you maybe go down to seven, but you come back up to nine, and you stay high all along. And when, when the recruiter averages your energy level over the course of 30-minute, 45-minute, hour-long interview, they say, wow, high-energy person. And I can promise you, there are very few people in the world who don't want to hire a high-energy person. No, I'm not saying telling jokes and being cute and funny. I'm talking about leaning forward and making eye contact and delivering with some forcefulness, your voice raised slightly, a little bit faster than you normally talk, using big gestures and small gestures both. Because I promise you, you may be saying, well, that's not me. Yes, that's true. But it's in an interview and interviews are artificial realities designed by companies to keep people out. If there are two people we can hire, one is smart and low energy and one is smart and high energy, we will hire the high energy person. Now, there are some of you who say, well, Mark, I'm a PhD computer scientist and everybody I interview with is that way too. And I'm afraid that when they interview me, if I do it your way, they're going to think I'm a freak. And I think that's a great point. I think it's a completely fair critique of the manager tools, career tools approach of high energy. Here's what I found. Yeah, this, this is this is the point. When you say things like that, I go, okay, here it comes. <laughs> He's going to refute the point. Yeah, but here's what I found. I believe, I hate to be blunt, but I'm going to be blunt. No, I don't really hate to be blunt. This is what I tell my friends, guys. 
if I had a best friend who was a, a PhD computer scientist and very reserved and very quiet and very introspective, I would say, you're going to fail unless you interview with somebody just like you. And then what they say is, well, I think the people who are interviewing me are going to be just like me. Okay, good luck then. That's fine. You don't need to do anything. You just hope that you interview with people just like you. And then maybe you'll be the smartest person in the room. But gosh, to, to allow your, your interviewing success to be based on who somebody else is, that seems like a real crapshoot to me. And I promise you, there's going to be somebody who interviews you, and I bet you it's a most senior person who's a revenue person or an EVP or a VP or something, and they're probably going to have some energy. And they're not going to be able to evaluate whether or not you're as smart as you say you are. The more technical people are going to do that, but they're not going to like you. And if you start out the day low key, you're going to be a lot more low key at the end of the day. Those of you who go through a series of interviews, you know what it's like at the end of the day. You're wiped out tired in part because you're doing something that's relatively unfamiliar in your normal day to day. So look, as I've said before, one of Horseman's laws is we'll take 90% less ability for 10% more attitude every day of the week. Uh, and I've also told people, if the average candidate that I've interviewed in my lifetime tripled their energy level, their enthusiasm, their forcefulness, it would still not be too much. The average person comes across like a bump on a log. And it is not correct to say their low energy, meaning the recruiter, caused me to have my energy get low. That's not true. What happened was you decided you wanted to have low energy. Now, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. In particular situations, hypothetically, that may be helpful. I will tell you in my entire interviewing experience, I have never told anyone to be low key ever. And the number of people who have been low key and have been told they were told no, that told no because they were low key is thousands. Interviewing is artificial and we want you to have a high energy level. So don't let their stony faceness cause you to get relaxed. Look, guys, I think I've told this story before. Part of the reason I'm in the job I'm in now is because I'm not a doctor. One of the reasons I'm not a doctor is even though my credentials look great on paper from my time at the academy, I'll never forget one of my med school interviews. I mean, I think God actually made me a person who had to teach other people how to interview in part as a good lesson for me because I remember sitting in front of a uh, recruiter for a prestigious medical school. And when he said, well, Mark, look on paper, you, you look fabulous. And I said, well, I'm great. I'm glad I, you know, I, I work very hard. And in my head, I, I literally flipped off my, my sales effort and said, oh, I'm in. And then I proceeded to sit there like a bump on a log. And I'm glad I'm not a doctor, by the way. I don't think I'd be a great doctor. I admire great doctors, but I don't think I'd be one. So don't get low key. If you tell me after an interview, I stayed low key, Mark, and I think that was the difference. No, it wasn't the difference. If you had good answers, you could have gotten the offer if you were high energy. Never, ever, ever try to convince me. I've interviewed tens of thousands of people. Never, ever try to convince me that it was your low keyness that got you the job. Low keyness may not hurt you, although 90% of the time it will. What will help you is your answers. What we're recommending is have your answers so well prepared that you could focus on your energy and your enthusiasm. And, and if you don't like the word enthusiasm, let's call it uh, determination, drive, desire, focus, those kind of words. 
rather than leaning back in the chair and having a, a chat with somebody. Because if you have a chat with me and I'm your interviewer, I'm not going to hire you. Right. So some interviewers, they don't react, right? And they leave this period of silence. You've answered the yeah. question. And then they just sit there stony-faced as the yeah. title of the podcast and just wait for you to talk, see what you're going to yeah. say next. And it's uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Let's put it this way, though. This is what candidates tell themselves. He's waiting to hear me talk. But remember what we started the cast with, guys. You shouldn't be guessing. We don't recommend you guess at what the recruiter is thinking or feeling. Just because there's a silence doesn't mean he's inviting you to fill it. One of the things I love about Danny, who works for the firm, is when she and I are talking and I'm giving her instructions or she and I are working on something together and there's a pause, she's learned to say, give me a moment, I'm taking notes. So that I know that she's still on the call and she's busy taking notes. Right. right? And with interviewers, you don't know that they're inviting you. And even if you did know that they're inviting you, the question is, have you answered the question based on your preparation? Let me be really blunt about this. I don't know a single case in my entire interviewing life where I know a manager, either from this came from the candidate or it came from the interviewer, either one, in all the thousands of people I've ever known, prepared, watched interview, watched videos of interview, trained people on interview. I never have seen a single case where a manager paused with the specific intent of allowing the candidate to add something that had been left out of an answer. Ever, mm. ever, ever, ever. Managers, interviewers, recruiters don't do it. If it's left out, it's left out. They're not going to give you more time. They're going to go on to the next question. They're going to give you a three out of five. Uh, if there's a grade on the last question, they're going to say, about oh, three out of five. He didn't, he didn't answer the question. If they want more, they'll ask for more. This is completely false that they want you to fill the silence. Now, there might be some, some guy who's like, oh, I'm going to use this political technique to make them fill the silence and they'll say stupid stuff. I've never, ever had a manager do it with good intent, right? With the idea that I need more from this candidate. I'm going to stare at them and hope they figure out what they left out of their answer and then fill in the silence. That's the proof in the pudding. But here's what actually happened, guys. Here's the reason why fill in the silence is a problem. And it really doesn't have that much to do with stony-faced interviewers. This is a standard interviewing problem. Here's what happens. You get asked what we call a reflective questions. There are two types of questions in interviews, depending upon you. There are a thousand different ways to slice interviews, but all interviewing questions fall in one of two categories, reflective or immediate. If you get asked, what's your birth date? That's not a reflective answer. You can give an immediate answer to that. If you get asked, what's your GPA or where do you work now? Those don't require any reflection. If you could ask, give me an example of a significant accomplishment where you had to overcome a difficult objective while managing a team of uh, a large team of people across multiple boundaries in an organization, you get time to reflect on that answer. Okay. As a general rule, you have three to five. In some cases, you could probably take as many as 10 seconds, although I promise you 10 seconds seems like a billion years in an interview and three to five seconds is enough. In that three to five seconds, what a prepared candidate does is pretty straightforward. You think about the question and you go, oh, that, you know, a good example I have is the situation I had four years ago. I'm going to tell him that story. And in your head, you go, you know, I got four minutes. And so I'm going to, I'm going to deliver a three part answer, A, B, C. And in part B, I'm going to have a one and a two. 
and maybe in part C, I'll have a subpart one. Okay. You got a rough Roman numeral outline in your head. And so you think that up in three to five seconds and then you start delivering. The problem is in your three minute, say delivery or your four minute delivery, whatever it is, you can think far faster than you can talk. So instead of doing A and then B12 and then C1, what you deliver as you're thinking through adding more value to your answer, you deliver A1, A2, A3, A4, B1, B1A, B1B, B1C, B2, A, B, C, D, B3, A, B, and then C, 1, 2, and then, oh, by the way, a D and an E as well. When in fact, either you're prepared or you're not for the interview, you have to have the courage of your convictions, and probably A, B1, 2, and C1 was fine. But now you've talked for eight minutes, and they hate you for being a rambler, for being indecisive, for telling them all kinds of details they don't need. And even a high C interviewer doesn't want a seven or eight or nine minute answer. They want an overview and they want to be able to interject and ask questions. So filling the silence thing comes from the fact that after a question or two, the candidate realizes they're not going to get any feedback from the interviewer. And so they start adding more and more and more because we can think faster than we can talk. Guys, decide what you're going to say, deliver what you're going to say, and then be quiet. And you can smile at the recruiter or not. You can just stare at them while they stare at you. Most of them are not going to stare at you. And look, if they're taking notes, they're not asking you to keep talking. That's not a question. Okay, that's that's true uh, 99.9% of the time. But occasionally, the interviewer just sits there and stares at you. We have to answer that question. It's rare. I know it's exceedingly rare. Oh, but, yeah. But people are asking that question. So what do we do when that happens? First of all, when you're done, shut up. Guys, I don't mean to be rude. When you're done, stop talking, smile, and wait patiently for the next question. Don't fidget. Don't take off your wedding ring and put it back on. Don't take off your watch and put it back on. Don't adjust your pin or click your pin or anything else. Don't look away, right? Don't don't stare out the window. Don't look away, but don't stare him down either, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. If it's been a full minute and I literally don't know a single candidate in my entire professional life who knows what a minute is, most would say, I would say to him, okay, you're in an interview. Then I would say, okay, tell me when a minute's gone by. And after seven seconds, they would say, it's been a minute. <laughs> um, so if you wanted, and I would say this is true in one out of every 500 interviews, if it's been a full minute, you could say, is there anything you'd like me to expand upon on that answer? Anything you'd like me to add? But guys, if you do that after 10 seconds, you're wasting your time. Now, look, there are recruiters who like the fact that they have power, interviewers who like the fact that they have power. And so they like you to squirm. Well, sorry, they do have the power. You may choose to say, I don't like this guy. That's a thought for you to have when they have already made you an offer. And you could say, no, I didn't like the guy I was going to go to work for. But before you have an offer, your job is to get an offer Ignore the fact that you don't like the guy and work your butt off to get an offer. Heaven forbid you get told at the end of the day, by the way, I'd like to apologize. Rob just got some bad news from home and he took the interview because he really wanted to talk to you, but he apologized to me profusely that he felt he didn't do a good job. And you sat in that interview and overdid it 
and didn't like him and spent the rest of the day thinking, I'm not going to come to work for this company. Mm. Again, we're guessing at why they were doing what they're doing and it's not worth it. Keep your energy up no matter what. Answer the question. And of course, this all comes from being prepared. Answer the question. Keep your energy up. I used to tell people, have a little mark or a little bob or a little mic on your shoulder saying, energy up, energy up. In my head, I have a picture of that sawtooth graph that I that I drew to remind myself, okay, you're, by definition, your energy is falling. Kick it back up a notch. Uh, lean forward right now. Make a bigger gesture. Make good eye contact and smile. And those things all will, will project energy toward the recruiter. And then say your piece and be quiet and trust yourself. If you have an hour-long interview and you do your best in preparation and you give the best answers you can, that's enough. They're either going to hire you or not hire you. They're certainly not going to hire you because of some additional piece of information you add during a dead spot 15 minutes into an interview. They're not going to do it. I think that's it. Excellent. All right, my friend. I appreciate it. Thanks, partner. All right, we'll see you. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see you next week. Have a great one.